Hi, I'm James. And I'm Drew. And welcome to Graphic Support Group, a mindful podcast for the design industry and the self, where empathy and the creative cloud meet. Join us as we delve into the mind and soul of graphic design, from PSDs to PTSD. This is Graphic Support Group. Hey everyone, we're back for another episode of Graphic Support Group, and it's James. And I'm Drew, and we're here with Chloe Sheffy, uh, who is a Seattle-based designer currently. Um, She's an art director, writer, and designer, working across disciplines with a focus on print and editorial design. That's that was my take. Is that would you say that's that's the case? Mm-hmm. Um, before going freelance, which you did relatively recently, mm-hmm. she was uh, she consisted of the art department at Here Magazine, uh, Away's Magazine, mm-hmm. a freelancer for Verso Books, Penguin Random House, The New Yorker, The Atlantic, and Nike, among others. And she also worked uh, as a designer at the New York Times Magazine, Pentagram, Metahaven, Peter Mendelssohn, and Oliver Monday's Studio MMDP, and other means. Uh, her work combines technical sophistication and jazz-like whimsy with a keen eye for color typography and formal expression that is all her own. One of the best to ever do it. We are happy to have you here with us. Wow, thank you. What an intro. Yeah, yeah great Happy to intro. be here. We are uh, very, very lucky to have you. So uh, we don't want to, you know, take up too much of your time. But uh, happy yeah. to give it. But we have, <laughs> we we've got a lot to uncover. Uh, this just for our listeners. This is also a pretty unique episode. Drew and Chloe are together in Brooklyn, so this will be a fun, lively conversation. I think confirmed. We're um, in the same room, and my cat is currently room. using. The- <laughs> The litter box and it's very loud it's very live cat. yeah um so yeah so just a little bit of background um all three of us we met at RISD um and Chloe you were completing your undergraduate education there right so uh we're just curious about like how you ended up at RISD like the path that you took to get there and then how your time was like there mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, so um, I actually started my art education in high school. I went to an arts-based public school um, that you actually had to audition for, and you entered as a sophomore. Um, so everyone did like a standard year, their ninth grade year somewhere, and then like applied to go to the school, but it functioned like a public school, not a private school. So it was kind of unique. Um, and my focus there was on drawing and you know traditional visual art. Um, but I was introduced to graphic design there as well. Um, and, you know, in thinking about graduating from an arts-based high school and what the next, next step might be, obviously art colleges came up as part of the research process for my next step. <laughs> um, and actually I'm very pragmatic and practical. Um, and so what I ended up doing first was going to community college in Seattle. So I have a two-year degree in graphic design from Seattle Central Community College. Um, and so I did that first to kind of investigate whether graphic design could be sort of a long-term career path for me. Cause it, you know, it is a big, um, I think there's a pretty big jump from fine art to design. Um, mm. And I really felt that sort of difference when I was a teenager and actually didn't like it. 
Um, I, I kind of pursued design at the two-year level um, because I knew that it was commercial art, you know, it was a way right. to make money doing art. And um, I actually kind of fell in love with it at Seattle Central um, and struggled initially to learn it, but then kind of felt like, oh, this is sort of like a new set of principles and a new language that I can play with. And if I set aside what I know about fine art and actually just lean into design in and of itself and the strengths that it has, then it's something that I enjoy. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, I love school. I loved being in school. So I kind of knew all along that two years wasn't going to be enough schooling mm -hmm. for me. So I started looking into options for transferring to get a four-year degree. Um, and yeah, I don't actually remember how I first learned about RISD. It was probably way back when I was still in high school, um, but I kind of knew of it by the time I was in community college as, you know, a really kind of excellent design and fine arts program, <laughs> just like a great school. Um, and uh, like the one they mention like in movies. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. a very well-known, you know, art school. Um, and, uh, you know, I looked at options on the West Coast too, which, you know, would be more practical. Um, but I always joke and tell people that I'm also like a little bit mercenary. Like my sense of pragmatism extends to being mercenary because I decided that if I was going to spend that much money to go to a fine arts school, that I would go to the best possible one that I could get into. Excellent. And that actually was the impetus for me applying to RISD, which is not like a cute story. That's kind of like a dark story, I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but so that is how RISD um, came onto my radar. And um, I actually had to put myself through school. Um, my parents weren't able to support me financially, um, although they supported my decision to pursue the arts, which was awesome. Um, so I first applied to RISD out of kind of on a whim to see if I could get in. Yeah. You know, I wanted that answer. Like, is my portfolio good enough? Like, what do I need to work on? Um, and I did get in, but um, RISD didn't provide me like enough financial aid for me to actually pursue it. Um, and so I kind of set it aside for a year and worked at a design studio in Seattle called Tether. Um, it was a branding studio and um, I saved enough money to pay for year one or technically year two, because I came in as a sophomore, as a transfer student. Um, and uh, even though I didn't have enough money for the entire education, I recklessly decided that I was going to pursue it anyway. And I applied to RISD again because transfer applications don't roll over. Um, and I got in again and then I went um, the following year. And nice. uh, you know, I started work study and all that stuff and just uh, worked every summer and like earned the money for the rest of RISD like year by year. That's I also great. got loans though, let's throw it out there. I got uh, federal loans. <laughs> That's crazy, I didn't know you took, I mean, I wouldn't know that, but I didn't know you took time off between. Yeah, I'm like a super, super senior, yeah. It took yeah. six years to get through so four how years old were you when you, not, we don't need to get into two specific numbers, but what, what how old were you when you started Um, I was, I had just turned 22 when I started, so like the age most wow. people are when they graduate. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 That's nice. really interesting because it's like you almost like were so determined <laughs> to make the right decision. And then you also did like you made like a lot of decisions that I think a lot of people would probably be afraid to make. Like, oh, I'll just wait a year and do this practical thing. And then like I didn't even know you couldn't transfer 
like yeah. the next the admission like you yep so that's like yeah. crazy that you had to apply again but yeah i love your gave me the, the financial aid i needed so that actually worked oh, out excellent. excellent yeah yeah i love also your explanation about yourself in terms of like practicality and yeah. like the mercenary <laughs> description um i like to return to that mercenary sure. description um one thing that we've we've been really like kind of like like admired about you since we've known you at school and then also seeing your career kind of like take off after after graduating is that um you always struck us with someone with a lot of ambition and then mm -hmm. you know early on you stepped into some really prestigious and like frankly like exclusive places like meta haven and other means and then also the new york times and pentagram mm -hmm. um so what we're curious about actually is like what were those early motivations because i think like there's also something distinct between designers at a young age who like um go on to work go work at like prestigious places and then those that like just strike on their out on their own early and like i see a similarity in ambition but like I'm curious, just like, you know, for you, was it like, I need to learn from these places and then build myself up? Or was it, you know, just curious about like, what was that driving force to uh, put yourself out there like that? That is such a good question. Um, I am very competitive by nature, especially when I was younger. That has really faded as I've gotten older. Um, but I think I really put my worth in my ability to do graphic design or to do art. Um, so I was like trying to achieve my way into a meaningful life, mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I didn't realize at the time. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, a, a lot of it also is um, luck, I would say, um, because I wasn't so confident in my own abilities as to pursue all, all the opportunities that came my way, but I just happened to kind of be in the right place at the right time to encounter someone that was connected. Um, mm. And like, that's a phenomenon I think students hear about a lot from design professionals and they don't like because you can't control it. Like who yeah. you know matters, but I found that to be true. Um, and that started impacting me even as a student. So um, yeah, the, I'd say, you know, my competitive nature in combination with chance <laughs> yeah um created some of those i think maybe one of the only examples that is really clear is how i ended up at metahaven and i'm not proud of this but um someone who was um in the class below me had applied to be an internet metahaven and been accepted and i thought if that person can do it so can i um, <laughs> like their work was great but i thought you know i wouldn't have sort of like deigned to apply to a place like metahaven which felt so far above me sort mm -hmm. of like in their conceptual approach and just in their output and their house style, they just felt yeah. far too sophisticated. But then I thought maybe I'll just reach out and that's how that came to be. Um, so yeah, I, I interviewed with Daniel in New York um, and I was shocked when he offered me the internship. Wow. But very pleased. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's maybe the most clear direct example of me like pursuing something out of competition and pettiness mm. if we're honest um I feel like i've done that and it hasn't worked out like, oh that person can work at pentagram i can do it and then it's like nope can't. yeah 
No, so I mean, I'm not. Word. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't deserve it, but I got it. So <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that. But no, I mean, in I terms mean, of like the pettiness of that choice, maybe not uh, my ability, oh, the but like yeah. the, the, the karmic, yeah, repercussion. Right. Yeah. No, I really appreciate your frankness and your honesty. That that's that's yeah. really huge. And I also love that comment about like when you say things like luck and the people that you know, like people hate to hear it, but like there mm -hmm. is a pragmatism to it and there's mm -hmm. a reality to it. So um, thank you for sharing yeah. in that manner. Um, Drew, you you were also curious about this sort of early stage. Well, I was curious career, also right? on top of that, like, um, do you think that you put like pressure on yourself that was almost like debilitating but it's still somehow like did you feel like the pressure that you put on yourself to get these positions and work with these people was like healthy um at times no um at others yes if that makes sense I hope like that's you, not you a had a good answer. relationship with your ambition as opposed to like you know I'm the type of person who like beat myself I was like you know, if I can't get an internship at Pentagram, then I'm like worthless. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite there. <laughs> I would say like I had an understanding that those were the years where I would push myself really hard. Mm -hmm. And like, this is the time and place to go hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I had a sense of wanting to be the best I could be and like being disappointed when I didn't you know, meet a standard that I'd hoped for or didn't get a reply to an email that I thought I certainly would or, um, but I think it's interesting because I think the successes I've had are, um, hugely representative of the only, like, let's see how to phrase this. Like I, I, I didn't have so much ambition that I put myself out there excessively i'd say but i would say in the cases where i did those things came through so mm -hmm. i think you know my um the chances that i took or the risks that i took to reach out um are overrepresented in well they're this sort of way that they were very calculated it seems like in, in, <laughs> my, a, in a way that was like good like you know this is a place i really want to work i feel like i can appeal to them in a way that would work yeah like like, it seems like you took calculated risk, which is, like, yeah, of the best way to take risks. Like, if you're an investor, like, sure. those were good investments. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it is really interesting because I also was always surprised, like, as, like, a newbie designer who went to the three-year program, mm -hmm. like, the MFA program, mm -hmm. like, I was like, who is this person who's, like, an undergrad who's working at studios I just found out about? <laughs> like, she she is like interning for studios that I didn't even know existed until like a month ago. And it's like, you'd have to like know so much about these places to want to work there already. So like you clearly had like this sort of like awareness that was mm -hmm. beyond your, your age. Well, maybe not age, but like your career. Like I felt like, yeah, well, I've been doing design longer than most people my age. Right. Yeah. And I've been in the world of it three years longer than, anybody else <laughs> but you were like <laughs> with what was going on like academically i feel like too like in terms of like meta haven is not like your average studio that like most true people know. true so like what what first what drew you to those types of places like how'd you make those calculated as mm -hmm. we can as we say uh decisions yeah i think it all comes down to one um 
thing, which is that I wanted a diversity of experience. Like I wanted a uh, range. I think students tend to get fixated on one genre of design that they love and they pursue that really doggedly. And then they look up five years later and they've gone so far down a path that there's no opportunity to recalibrate. And I was scared of that, I think. Um, and I think, you know, being older and like being very determined to get where I was and very calculated in the way that I went through RISDIA, I was thinking about how um, my cumulative experience should look and like how it would impact where I ended up in my career. Um, so it's not that I found Pentagram and obsessively pursued it. It's that I wanted experience at a New York branding studio. Right. And mm -hmm. that's the one that happened to work out weirdly. Um, I know that sounds insane. Um, or like I wanted experience at a small scale branding studio, like other yeah. means, um, or I wanted to work in Europe um, or I really with, with Metahaven, I wanted to be pushed to create an output in a style that was very much not my own. Like yeah. that went really against my natural output and see if I could kind of like put on the mantle of that and make work that felt believably meta haven, which I'm not sure I accomplished, but it's the challenge that I wanted. Um, and yeah, uh, that's it. That's I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, crazy. It's like, like an unbelievable run <laughs> of like, <laughs> like everywhere I would have, or probably James or any designer at that time would have wanted to work. Like, and it's just, it was so cool to see, like, you just like, go <laughs> yeah. from place to place and just like, yeah. I remember like, yeah. Anyways, on top of that, like, how did it feel as like somebody who, you know, had a lot of ambition, but maybe didn't, like, you hadn't had like great, great success yet, mm -hmm. but you sort of set yourself up in a way where you were like, I'm going to get these things and that's going to define some form of success to give, give me more, uh, like experience and more sort of confidence right mm -hmm. um so what was it like to like what was the first one what the first internship that you did it was pentagram and like what's it like to like be a sophomore or junior in college and like junior yeah at, with michael beirut right yeah like was that a super in, were you intimidated or were you excited or was it a combination of things i was hugely intimidated i was shaking when i came out of that interview and um i felt really unequal to the the job when I started it. Um, but I kind of liked that. I think I respond to challenge. Like I like to have to work hard to achieve something. Like, of course it feels bad to feel like you come into experience unprepared, but it's kind of exciting to feel like you can compensate for that um, discrepancy by learning. Yeah. <laughs> like it comes back to, I just like learning. I, <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Well, that challenge is like, <laughs> I think that's part of like what I'm gathering too is mm -hmm. like the challenge of like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can even get this position. And then if I'm there, I don't even know if I can do it, but that's sort of why you do it. It's yeah. Like, yeah. And that, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like thrill seeking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. do thrill seeking in real life, but in it's design. Like, yes. And similar question. Like, do you think that that pressure was like, like you handled it well. I'm, I mean, I'm wondering, was it like, a lot of pressure like being in those situations where you're like really stressed out or were you kind of like did you have like uh like a calm composure like what is the 
mindset of like a young Chloe Sheffy, like <laughs> at Meta Haven and other means and all and all these places. I don't think I had composure. Um, I think I maybe presented more calm than I felt, but I think I was like a little bit of a mess as I tried to find my footing. Um, and I don't know. I, I think like, I remember this anecdote popped into, into my mind at Meta Haven. I struggled really hard for the first few weeks. Um, like I just wasn't understanding the way that they would brief me, the things I were making, I, the things I was making weren't, um, right. Or we would revise and revise and revise. And it just felt like I was spinning my wheels. Um, and then uh, we were like reviewing a book cover for something and, and Daniel, Daniel Vanderbilt and just told me a point blank, you need to work harder. Wow. Like, and he meant that, yeah, yeah, no. And it, it, it sounds harsh, but it didn't feel cruel in, in the moment. It just felt like a statement of fact. Um, and I like was very chastised by that. And I was like, okay, he's right. Like somehow like, and it, it it's, it's so many years now that I don't like, I wish I remember the specifics better, but I remember thinking like, okay, I need to adapt better to this. Like I can be more perceptive in the way that I approach this. Like I can fine tune, like, cause like in a, in a way, I think I was kind of like brute forcing my way into that yeah. internship. And, and it just felt like, even though that statement was really blunt, it like called for a level of nuance that I wasn't giving to the experience. Um, and I think I learned from that. Um, like it's, it, it was almost like him saying, you need to open your mind, not like you're lazy. Right. It's like, you need to think better. Like you need to observe the work that we do and understand it and ask questions about it and make stuff that feels like more compelling for lack of a better word. Like even if it fails on some other facile level, at least it's trying to be like a compelling piece of something. Um, so yeah, that, that's crazy. That stands cool. out in my mind. Yeah, you don't, you don't ever want to hear that in a, in a review, but you can either be like destroyed by it, um, or you can say okay. Yeah, that's that's very <laughs> that's resilient of you, I think. Um, and yeah. like, kind of. I mean, I'm not trying to talk myself yeah, up. No, no, I'm not, I'm no hero. Yeah. But, uh, no, but that's it's just like, how I respond to criticism. Yeah. It's like, no, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll work harder. It can be done. Relax. It's Wednesday, and the files have been packaged and sent. You have met the deadline, and relief pours in with the sunlight. Looking up from your computer, you notice the window, and the world beyond it. Stand up and stretch, raising arms overhead, as you inhale and exhale. Stare out the window, noticing the blue sky, and free yourself from intention. Release yourself from judgment. Trust your intuition, the source of your inner light. Look out the window again, then look inward. Find contentment, 
Be at peace, knowing tomorrow will be much the same. A new deadline and continued growth. a career like yours too which I think is like a very good thing in a lot of ways because you want to have like the idea that that could happen Mm -hmm. like you could have that type of experience but at the same time there is like a reality to it which was Mm -hmm. it's just like a list of places right Mm -hmm. like you had like experiences and had to like deal with big personalities and had to like deal with tough clients and i'm sure there's like so many stories so it's really yeah that's actually a nice little segue into our recurring question (laughs) i'm all about segues i'm all about finding smooth opportunities to 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 segue so yeah so what event from your career has affected you emotionally or psychologically so many um but the one that came to mind when you gave me this question initially it was actually like more of a, a phase in my career um, and less of a event, a single event. Um, and that is um, the sort of moment between when I finished with Other Means and Metahaven. I did both in sort of one extended mm-hmm. summer. So I did two months at each of those places after graduating from RISD. Um, and I didn't have a full-time job lined up after that. Um, and... Um, I think probably at every college, there's a pressure to have something lined up. And there certainly was at RISD. And it was kind of an unspoken pressure, but it was there all the same. And there was a sense of kind of, there was just like a ripple, like every time someone, a student would, you know, get a job lined up, it would kind of create this ripple among everyone else in the class. Being like, oh, did you hear? This person's going there. <laughs> Um, so there was kind of this pressure, like it again, it wasn't an overt pressure. It's not like you're a failure if you don't know exactly what you're doing. Um, and in a lot of ways, I'm sure that's, um, harmful if people rush into opportunities just because they feel like they need to have one. Um, but nevertheless, that was a pressure that I was really feeling. Um, and even though those were two amazing internships, I felt, um, behind in some ways because I didn't have the elusive full-time job lined up. Um, And actually when I was interning at Other Means, um, I was connected to somebody at the New York Times Magazine via a friend of a friend. Um, And I was just told to submit work to this email address. Um, There was no job opening as far as I knew. I was just cold sending in a portfolio. Um, I didn't even know what the role was. I didn't know anything about the magazine other than what's generally known about it. and I'd never considered and never would have considered applying to a place like the New York Times Magazine. That seemed far too high um, for, like, I just wouldn't have placed myself in that position after graduation. Um, so in some ways, I <laughs> I feel like the example I've set is not good um, because it does come out of, as I've said, chance. But um, anyway, so I gold sent this portfolio in and um, heard back and learned that there was kind of an unusual role available at the magazine, which was sort of like part-time secretarial, not secretarial, 
but like part-time admin work, basically helping to run the magazine, almost like an intern in function, but with a broad focus across design, photography, and editorial. Um, and then part-time designer hmm. um, or like design. Intern. Interesting. Um, so there would be a design element and quote unquote focus to it, but it also would have this sort of like general you're at the magazine kind of shadowing people across departments and learning about this magazine um, element to it. Um, and so I actually interviewed for that and I did a design test for that. Um, wow. I'm not sure I've ever spoken about doing the design test for that, but um, at the time I was living in this somewhat abysmal sublet in Woodside, Queens. Um, with two people that I did not know. And we had roaches in the kitchen, classic. <laughs> and I remember like sitting on the floor, like while my AC unit was rumbling and like doing sample layouts of the New York Times Magazine. Um, yeah, really bizarre. And just feeling like, I can't believe I'm working with this content. Like it was real published content yeah. that they had, had made at the, you know, earlier issues of the magazine. And that alone was so novel and fun. Um, and it's, I mean, I haven't looked back at those, but I'm sure they were. <laughs> special. I'd never worked on editorial before. Um, but you know, I made something that I thought was the best thing I could make. I read it. I read the brief extremely carefully. I considered it probably too much. And then I sent them back. Um, and they actually offered me the position. Um, and I was pretty torn, obviously very tempted by it because it's the New York Times magazine. That's amazing. Um, and so they offered me the job. Um, and um, I actually accepted it after much deliberation. Um, and then the oh. next day I turned it down. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that was one of the hardest emails I've ever had to write. Um, and I didn't know how to write an email like that. I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I will say like, um, when I quit the New York times magazine, that was the first time I'd quit a job and I did, I did that horribly. I did it so badly. Um, not in, in an offensive mm -hmm. way, but just very inelegantly. Um, just like I, said yes and then said no, um, classic. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just felt that um, I couldn't do the admin part of this job. And I, I, I got connected with one of the other designers there and spoke to him about it and what that would be like. I got as much insight about that role as possible. And it just felt to me like it wasn't going to lead where I wanted it to and that I wasn't going to be able to sort of like learn and do design to the, the level that I'd hoped to. Um, so that I think was for me, the biggest gesture of belief in myself that I'd made to that point. Um, saying, no, I wanted to design 100% mm -hmm. mm -hmm. of the time at the job yeah. that I'm doing. I want to be a designer, not a design intern slash administrator. Um, and um, then I went to Metahaven, I flew to Amsterdam. I didn't know a soul there, actually loved it there. Um, Wait, so you got that before the internships? Or... So yeah, I had the interview, uh, like while I was still yeah. working at other means. So oh, I had graduated first and then met yes. but you had those lined up already. I had those lined up before I graduated. Okay. So that's what I had together. Um, which was great. No complaints here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then yeah, I moved to Amsterdam. So, you know, I, I had two months ahead of me that were very idyllic in a lot of ways, although they were very challenging work wise, but also very rewarding. Um, but I also like felt that sort of end point of not having anything in front of me drawing closer and closer. And it felt like very oppressive and scary. Um, and I actually 
had so much. I am very stress prone, very anxiety prone person. And I have been since I was a child. Um, so uh, my sort of like sense of anxiety really got out of control at this moment. Um, and looking into the future and not having an option when I had to that point had something like fixedly before me year after year after year, like knowing I was going to go to RISD, um, knowing that I would do an internship, then I would go back to RISD, then I would do another internship. Um, you know, like I'm very goal oriented. I just, you know, I, I feel at ease when I know what I'm doing next. I don't, or at that time, I didn't um, sort of function well, um, you know, Im improvising. Um, and uh, I actually like due to anxiety, oh, like no. all my hair started falling oh. out in wow. Amsterdam. Um, yeah, it was the most traumatic thing I've ever gone through. Um, and yeah. I was utterly alone. <laughs> uh, it's so funny because I, I, like I said, I, I think back on Amsterdam with absolute fondness. I loved living there. And then there's this sort of secret <laughs> other story, other element of the story, which is that I was like crippled yeah. by anxiety. I couldn't sleep. Um, I was having a horrible time because the idea of sort of needing to have my next step in my career had me in such a vice grip. Um, and like, as I said, I equated my worth with knowing what I was going to do. Um, and ultimately it all worked out because when I was in Amsterdam, <laughs> um, Gail Bickler, the wonderful design director of New York times magazine then, and to this day reached back out um, and said there was a full-time designer position available Amazing. in the magazine and that I should come and do that. Um, I did. So, cool. so it ultimately was for not, but um, that season was one of the worst of my life. And it was all yeah. because of this uncertainty around work. And, um, you know, I think that me could not have imagined being a freelancer because freelance is uncertainty. Um, but I've changed. <laughs> I've changed. Um, I'm yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great amount of growth as well. And we'd love to talk to you about that. But I think um, first, yeah. like, thanks for sharing that story. That was really um, well, well, like articulated. And mostly what I'm responding to is just um, kind of like a grace and, and a belief in self, like through those experiences, I think specifically, mm -hmm. like turning down the admin position at, at the New York Times, like I think at, at a, you know, in a point where you can feel desperate like you might have made the uh, different choice. Graphic support group, how may I assist you? <sighs> I'm freaking out. I don't know. I'm feeling really out of touch with design and my career feels stale. I want to keep exploring, but I don't know where to seek inspiration, what work I want to do, or who I even am anymore. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. This sounds serious, but I think I might be able to help. Have you thought of taking a sabbatical? <sighs> I can't take a year off from work. That's for rock stars. Good point. Might I suggest you apply to grad school? Grad school? For graphic design? Yes. Grad school is a great way to take your thinking and skills to the next level. Would you like to explore some options? Well, how much does a program like that cost? I don't have 100K just lying around. Good point. Grad school is fairly expensive. Hmm, I may have something for you. 
Yes. Here it is. Yes. Okay. This is what I was looking for. Vermont College of Fine Arts MFA in Graphic Design. It's a low residency program designed to help designers like you. I think it could be a really wonderful solution to help you refocus your creative energies on yourself without having to sacrifice your life or bank account. Really? This sounds too good to be true. Please tell me more. Do you think it could help me recalibrate my creative energies? Well, VCFA is an individual-focused program where the institution's world-class faculty works with you one-on-one throughout the semester from wherever you reside. They then gather twice a year for one-week residencies, where all of the students are able to share and make work in an intimate and intensive environment. Hmm. So what goes on outside of the residency? What happens throughout the rest of the semester? Well, that's the interesting part. You're able to build a budding design practice steeped in history, theory, and studio work in your own space and on your own schedule. It's a mix of self-study and robust guided advising. It's perfect for somebody like you. Wow, that does sound pretty ideal for me. You know, just the right balance of challenge and discipline. Sounds pretty cool. It is. You will join a vibrant community of artists, educators, and practitioners who are all looking to grow their individual design practices. The residencies allow for close exchange with both faculty members and students. Plus, your network of creatives will grow dramatically and internationally. You'll be joining a community of passionate creators who will support you, and you'll gain discipline in your career because you'll be doing it on your own terms, on your own schedule. Plus, the one faculty to four student ratio allows for a really close-knit experience, along with the ability to choose your advisors. Wow, that all sounds great. And you're sure I don't have to move to Vermont? Yes, you're able to pursue your creative endeavors while staying right where you are. That's amazing. How do I apply? You can apply and find out all the information you'll need by visiting vcfa.edu. If you have any questions, their offices are just an email or phone call away. Wow. Thanks, GSG. I knew I could count on you. No, thank you. We're always here for you. Support is what we do. Full disclosure, James Shea is a visiting faculty member at VZFA. This is a paid advertisement. I've always sensed that you have a strong sense of conviction about your work. And also hearing you speak today, you have a high level of self-awareness, both like in terms of your abilities and then what you're kind of looking to achieve from different opportunities. So I am just kind of curious, like, yeah, like, are there certain things in design and your career that like are uncompromising or like you're always trying to achieve? Like, is there a question that you're Mm. always asking yourself with each brief um, that is a good question. Just, I think yeah. the question that I ask myself every time is, is, the, is this the best it can be within the parameters that I've been given? And I have a really hard time giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. I'll fight and fight and fight to make something good, um, even if it keeps getting killed until there's a point where I realize I have to, I have to let it go because it's not a fight worth fighting anymore. Um, and I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at knowing when to make that call because I would kind of, you know, let it go too far or too long when I was younger. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. this is the work that I make. Um, I, I don't have a, a side project. I, I'm not an artist. Uh, I do design. And, and so I want what I make to, to represent me. And I want to be sort of proud of it um, on a personal level. And I think that's made 
mm-hmm. being a designer complicated and like more emotional than it has to be. Um, but I think it's just how mm-hmm. I am. Um, so that's probably the question that I ask myself. Um, but I think this is an interesting moment to be talking about being a designer because I like find myself less and less interested in it in and of itself since the pandemic began. And I'm not blaming it on the pandemic. I think, you know, Mm. I've been changing over the years, the longer I do this. And I think, you know, as I'm sure everyone has had insights during this time, so have I. Um, And uh, yeah, I feel like for the first time ever, I have like a truly healthy distance from it now. Um, And I don't feel so attached to it. And I don't Mm. think I have the same conviction that I once had, which is not to say that it won't come back. Um, But I, I, in this current moment, have a little bit of disinterest. So this is very like interesting for me to talk about and try to like re-inhabit the me that did feel (laughs) that sense of conviction in everything that I do. Like I still care about the work that I do. Um, I don't want to (laughs) sound callous about it. Um, It's okay, you just sound cool. Okay, thanks. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm very, I don't know. I, I just remember how I was when I was a young designer and a student, and I would really like hang on every word that people would say. So I think I, I am very self-aware about the way that I talk about design, because I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea. Like, I, I want to kind of like cover every angle um, of, of how things have gone. Um, right. So yeah, if that if that means I sound cool, then great. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like a really, you know, it's hard because on the one hand, it's like, well, you have created a body of work that's like immense. And it's also Mm. like totally unique in a lot of ways. Like it really is like idiosyncratic and kind of Mm. like, I feel like especially with the Away magazine or Mm. here, uh, you know, you kind of created your own like subgenre of like editorial design. And so obviously there's a lot to be proud of. And then. The disinterest sounds like healthy, maybe like. Yeah, I think like I'm at this question is like, do you think that it's also sort of maybe an evolution of what you regard as to be like your creativity? Like if your creativity was so hyper focused on like typography and graphic design, do you think this like change in interest is like, mm-hmm. evolving in like different types of yes, creativity, like absolutely. writing or drawing or just like kind of that like very an expansion of your creativity, I guess? Um, it's like I yeah. sort of my focus has yeah. been so singular or had been so singular for so long that the pandemic kind of like shook me. And I, I, I realized, oh, I actually do have a desire to like diversify the way that I'm creative. And like, I can relax my grip on design mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And actually that might make me like it more and like it for longer. Yeah, I think that's why also like, you know, you see designers careers evolve from like, you know, doing this hard core, like traditional graphic design, visual stuff. And then they start writing and, you know, and mm-hmm. they start teaching and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of evolution to, to sort of, uh, evolve the the sense of creativity but I don't think it's mm-hmm. I think it might it might just from my my perspective it might be disingenuous from your of yourself to say that you've lost interest <laughs> yeah. yeah so to be that's more fair, that's my yeah. most negative self yeah. <laughs> it's like uh lost interest on your terms is like 
not it's like if you're like oh i don't like movies anymore i see like five movies a week (laughs) (laughs) why thank you (laughs) but um yeah i mean i think you know making a lot of work right i am still making a lot of work i'm not showing it anywhere um (laughs) another thing the pandemic um sort of did was push me off off of instagram um a bit um like i just don't have the heart to share work anymore which is weird because i used to love to do that um and i'm still kind of evaluating why that is um but yeah so i have a lot of work that i that's piled up that i haven't shared i will share it but um yeah i think you know even if i were primarily you know let's say a visual artist my work would be graphic like i think it is my nature to be a designer it's just what my output looks like so i think you know Although that's your illustration style is very different i would say isn't it it is like i mean it looks like illustration but i think it looks like a designer made it mm. like um i think if you look at my illustrations there's a sense of order and a sense of composition and a sense of geometry that feels attached to design like they feel formal to me in a way that feels related like if you look at you know spreads from here magazine and you look at some of my illustration work it feels like you know, uh, cousins or, yeah. you know, there's shared DNA. Um, but yes, I mean, yes, I can, I can draw and it can look like, like drawings, but, uh, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, if I were to make something naturally without thinking about it, it would feel more, um, reduced and simplified yeah. and, and, um, shape based, like, like design um, versus, you know, like a beautifully rendered out. Yeah. support now? We love hearing from the design community. Call us at 202-507-9158. Please share your story with us after the tone. We'll do our best to respond on our podcast. Please leave a name or alias, design role, and location. Thank you for your call. these lines of conviction i wanted to actually ask you about spirituality and i'll borrow a bit from krista trippett of the on being podcast and she always opens up her her episodes on like what is your version of spirituality um and i'm only bringing this up because like i in knowing having known you at RISD and kind of like seeing your work like i've sensed this strong sense of i I, I keep saying conviction but also like self-awareness that i think is different from other students and people, designers that I had met. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just because you were older, but I'm just curious mm-hmm. if there was anything else kind of like driving you or, you know, um, kind of rooting you in something. Yeah, that's a good yeah. question. Also not something I've really talked about much, um, but yeah, I actually grew up Christian. My parents are non-denominational 
Christians. Um, and I actually struggle with the word Christian because, you know, in today's culture, that's identified with a sect of people that um, I find pretty grim um, and don't align with in any way whatsoever. And neither does anyone that I know that shares the faith in the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like I am like a believing person. I don't. Yeah, it's hard to talk about them. But um, yeah, I think that's a big part of (laughs) who I am. And um, I think that's a big part of the sense of self-awareness that I have. um, And probably the drive that I have. Um, And honestly, I think it's a part of the sort of luck that I've had. Mm. Like, you know, for me as a person with that background, it, it feels... Um, I hesitate to say supernatural, but that's the only word that's coming to mind. Like it, it feels designed. Mm. How about that? Yeah. Yes. Brand design. Isn't that what they Yes. Um, because I, I mean, I, I have worked hard and I do have this drive, but a lot of it to me feels, um, like fate, fate, it also feels too strong. This is very hard to talk yeah, about because totally. there's so much around even the sort of, um, the sort of dialogue around spirituality that I like don't align with. Like, I don't want it to sound magical. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want it to sound, um, conservative. Uh, it's just, yeah, like a part of <laughs> yeah, totally. my life and background. Um, but yeah, uh, see so, yeah. Would you say it's like a cultural, it's less cultural and more spiritual or because that's kind of what I feel like you're getting. Like yeah. It's not really, you know, about um, how it, how Christianity would exist like in the mainstream yes. world. It's more of like a specific uh, take on it or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's like a more like personal idea of belief. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, well said like very much not a cultural thing. Um, Cause yeah, I don't, there's a lot about the culture I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> no, I, I can totally relate. Cause I also grew up Christian and like, you know, when, mm. when people ask me, I do say I'm Christian, but I like, like to, I like yeah. to use the non, like the lapse Christian <laughs> sure. <laughs> because, you know, I have my issues with church and, and kind of fellowship, yes. but like, mm-hmm. I think this is something that like I've been kind of, realizing recently is like and i am trying to attach this to your sense of like your understanding of luck and like the opportunities you've been given i think Mm -hmm. that like for me recently it's been more like how to frame my humility and Mm -hmm. um kind of like the way like i feel like i've been very lucky in my career in terms of like the schools that i've been able to attend and the career Mm -hmm. opportunities that i've been given despite maybe having a lot of doubt at the time but in a lot of ways, things have worked out for me very well. And like yeah. at first, like I was kind of guilting myself, you know, and mm-hmm. but then it's, it's sort of like, well, maybe they worked out for a reason and like understanding what that reason is um, through a lens of faith, I think has helped me just like as a person kind of, you know, both humbled myself, but also kind of like, you know, it gives me perspective and I think that perspective yeah, it, is something that like I'm constantly like asking and wondering about um, 
in terms of my faith practice. So, yeah, I think that's well said. Um, Cause yeah, it gives you an opportunity to sort of relax and not feel that, that guilt yeah. or s sort of constantly be interrogating the why or the why me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think um, the guilt that I struggle with sometimes is that my early career was so me focused um, and like to, to put a sort of classically religious word on it. Like I sort of like idolized the idea of <laughs> achieving it in graphic design. Um, uh, and um, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. But when I reflect, I sometimes feel pangs of, of guilt. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, what I'm wondering now is, yeah, how can I sort of open up and um, use what I do to benefit others more or just have it be less about my own achievement and about something else. Right. Um, and I don't have an answer to that, but I think it's a, it's a good question for anyone and everyone to consider. Totally. Um, totally. I just <laughs> not to like give a moral lecture, but uh, <laughs> I had that for me. <laughs> I was just thinking when you were talking about like guilt and the being focused on yourself, like this is a really weird question. Not weird, but like I've never, I don't know how to ask this really, but like, mm. did you, can you describe if at all, the, the negative aspects of being uh, or the, the, the more difficult aspects of being in the position where you are sort of like the star person, mm. like at RISD, I feel like it was very clear, at least to us, that you were kind of like the golden child of the program <laughs> at that time. Like, is there <laughs> a sort of like, like, did you ever feel like weird vibes from people like in that mm. respect or anything like that like was there a, a like a kind of dark side to like having to deal with how mm. other people perceive that i think that's such an interesting question and i was laughing because i don't think i really perceived that at the time um at all like i just perceived that i was in competition with a lot of people that were really good mm. i didn't necessarily think i'm the star um it's so interesting to hear you say that. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that was. My I mean, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think it's interesting to hear, um, because I don't think I think it's interesting to hear because I didn't have that perspective at the time, so I don't think that's a framework that I was evaluating myself through or evaluating my interactions with others through. Mm. So I, if I perceived any tension with them, I probably just thought, oh, we don't vibe. Right. Like, yeah, I wasn't thinking, oh, they're resentful of my ability to do you know this project uh better or or you know the professors like me more or whatever um yeah. so i i, I think you, you know i was like no no that's fine I, I think i was like kind of naive and innocent and that was probably good um but i also was extremely well maybe not extremely that might be too um too extreme too hyperbolic but uh i was like pretty withdrawn from the culture at RISD, and that's mm -hmm. one of my big regrets like I would really kind of like hole up and do my work at my apartment and then show up to critique. And I wasn't working around people as much as I wish I had. Mm -hmm. Like I was there. Um, but I don't know if I, you know, could have been all that perceptive because I was right, kind right. of just doing my own thing and very much in my own head. And like, I just, yeah, I, I'm extremely self-conscious. Um, and that's like part of my like anxiety, 
you know, social anxiety, classic issue. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, how I was behaving and less about how, like, I don't think I was so um, self-aware back then. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the like faculties to, to, to do that. Um, yeah, not to like put you, not to make it seem like you were like, I'm a star and I'm gonna like- Yeah, no. But, but I was just wondering, cause I've had that question about other people too, um, who have like a lot of success and are very ambitious, like if there is a side to that. But it sounds like in your situation, you also were like kind of uh, na- naive in the sense that like you didn't think so much of it. Mm-mm. And also you were like, just doing your own thing like yeah well it also seems like i think chloe you've you've talked about it in in this podcast as well it's sort of like the flip side of the ambition and flip side of the motivation being so hyper focused on yourself being like i'm I'm actually curious more like now that 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 period of your life has kind of passed and you've arrived at some sort of point that it sounds like you've resolved a lot of those um kind of like yeah those that that drive and that competitive nature Mm -hmm. you've mentioned that you've kind of calmed that down a bit um Mm -hmm. i'm really just like i know the i know we're running a little bit on time but um i'm mostly i'm really curious just to hear like where you are now like where like you made a you made a big move back to seattle and like yeah like you've mentioned a lot of changes in your life and your attitude like pre and post covid but um yeah where are you now yeah, um, I'm in an interesting place, as I said, and not one I'm very happy with, if I'm honest, because it's not resolved. Mm-hmm. As we know, my, I my like resolution. not that bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd love to live in your apartment. Um, <laughs> this a is very great. Uncomfortable place. No, um, yeah, like I, um, yeah, it's kind of a place of, even though I, I have a lot of resolution with the sort of like internal aspects of my life and, and all that self reflection, I think, has paid mm-hmm. off. Um, and set kind of being separate from New York and the culture of New York has been helpful for that. Um, at the same time, like I'm, my life kind of feels um, uneasy or not at rest um, because I don't have a sense of direction at the moment. I feel like a little bit aimless and I, um, yeah, I, I do better when I am not aimless. <laughs> um, and yet I'm trying to kind of relax within this um sort of directionlessness and um, evaluate it and learn from it. And um, yeah, so I mean, in the sort of logistic sense, I'm, I'm freelancing. I started freelancing at the end of October of 2020. Wow. Um, yes. Wow. And uh, actually, I had been wanting to leave uh, away for almost the entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, the pandemic hit early in the year. Um, and it just felt foolish to um, lose that sort of lifeline of, of stability. And, um, you know, I still was enjoying doing the magazine, the idea of not doing it was painful, but uh, I had felt like I had learned all I was going to learn. Um, and I wanted to move on. And um, I had been freelancing on the side um, at, at night for a number of years and kind of like building up familiarity with that process um and you know was realizing that for me to really thrive i need variety just like i pursued sort of extreme variety within the the sort of short-term opportunities that i had 
um, directly after school. And while I was still in school, I realized, you know, both at the New York Times Magazine and at here that um, I just kind of languish if I'm doing the same thing for too mm. long, um, which is a little bit paradoxical because uh, I also don't do well if I have no sense of what I'm doing. But in a lot of ways, like freelance kind of satisfies both of those if you're able to maintain it as a, as a practice or if it kind of sustains itself. Um, so I've been wanting to leave for most of the year, but I stuck through most of it. Um, and then actually, this is so funny. The day, <laughs> the day that I was going to give my notice, um, I got on a call with my editor-in-chief and she actually laid me off oh, because wow. the magazine folded. Yeah. yeah, the magazine folded due to financial problems because of the pandemic. Um, and I was actually kind of thrilled. Like, I know that sounds bad, but <laughs> I was like, oh, it's beautiful. It's like we had a good run. I do not have to bequeath this magazine to someone else and hope that they understand what I've done mm -hmm. or like hope that they evolve it and love it as much as I did because I really like cherished mm -hmm. it. It became very personal and the idea of giving it away was hard, mm -hmm. even though I was going to do it. Um, and so yeah, the selfish part of me was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what a great end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, it's kind of noble to be shut down by a pandemic right. versus just yeah. kind of um, disappear <laughs> um, because, you know, your readership slowly dissolved um and so um yeah that's the mercenary in me again right there um and so uh my boss was like you seem to be taking this well <laughs> and i said well i was gonna quit today um <laughs> and so um it worked out perfectly and um yeah the day that issue 14 the last of the magazine launched was my last day at the magazine um and yeah, that was late October. And um, I had enough clients running freelance clients in the background at that time that I just pivoted right to that. Um, and also I work quite often with Natalie Shields, um, who also went to RISD and graduated in 2015 in my class. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we've kind of encountered one another along life's way a number of times, um, including at uh, here, where I actually was able to hire her part time as my sort of junior designer. Mm -hmm. She had to work part time on the brand side of a way. Um, but yeah, from issue 10 on issue 10. Yes, issue 10 on she um, was there by my side doing art direction, like working on shoots, commissioning illustration and doing layout. Um, and that was fantastic because, you know, we were able to be a lot more ambitious yeah, with two designers yeah. than with one. It was wonderful. Um, and, uh, you know, we had also done like freelance projects together. Um, she first hired me when she was working at Double Day and Cartwright to do illustration for a Nike marathon capsule. And from there, we just kept working together. Um, and so now we work together on almost everything. Wow. Um, and yeah, we have this kind of like virtual studio, awesome. um, that doesn't exist anywhere, but, uh, functionally it's how we work. Um, and we're kind of working on formalizing that a little bit, but. Yeah, as of now, I, you know, I, I have always thought of myself as kind of an independent contributor, as they say in the tech space. Um, like a, I've, 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 I like collaboration, but I, I prefer working by myself, like historically. But when it comes to Natalie, like, I actually think we're better together and we kind of balance each other out in a really exciting way um, where it doesn't feel kind of like a drag to have to compromise um it actually feels like you know our strengths are playing off one another and i think you know both of us feel similarly like it's rare to find a collaborator that feels 
like there's a true understanding with or like between the two of you um, where it has, you know, a sense of longevity. Um, and so, yeah, we've been working together since the end of 2020 as well cool. on various things um, and trying to, yeah, I don't know, figure out exactly how that will look and sort of how it will live publicly because we haven't really publicized it. Um, but yeah, so that's really exciting. That's like a point of a bright like spot um, amongst all the other <laughs> uh, sort of amorphous mist that I'm wading through. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange to be on the West Coast because I have literally no connection to it in terms of design. I mean, that's where I started. I, I knew so much about the design scene there when I was at Seattle Central mm -hmm. and loved it so much. And now it feels almost irrelevant, even though that's where I live. Um, so that's kind of a, a strange dissonance. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I want to live or when or why. And that's kind of the big <laughs> question in front of me at the moment. And in the meantime, I'm still making graphic design. Nice. So. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's like so much rigor and like, technical like like tight technical skill involved in your work but there also is like so much whimsicality and play like mm. that, that's why i described it as like jazz like we were mm. talking about it's like that was such a compliment thank you for that <laughs> it's like uh you know the jazz drummer who can play like the craziest shit ever but also like the <laughs> most like straightforward perfect beat like so like can you talk about where like that play comes from like you know you seem you say you have anxiety is this the place where your anxiety like dissipates because <laughs> you're having fun or is it like a if only it were so simple uh, <laughs> um that's a great question um so you can answer that in like one sentence right yeah i'll try here's my elevator <laughs> pitch um no uh i think my sense of play is a little bit unconscious it's kind of just what happens when i'm doing design and then um wait is that true that might be a lie <laughs> okay i think i really do have these two sides because actually when i think about it what comes out of me when i do design is like a perfect grid um which is the formal rigor part of it and then i i get joy out of sort of like breaking the grid in a literal way like, like i'll make something extremely coherent um and like hierarchically sound and clean and probably boring and then try to like intervene mm. on it. And that actually has been a big part of what Natalie and I do together. We have this sort of joke between ourselves that she'll do like a chaos pass on something that I make and I'll do like a sanity pass on something <laughs> she makes. She kind of has this like really natural ability to make something like really emotive and crazy and like not super functional. Whereas I'm like, I know how to do something very functional um and sort of like very you know the crystal goblet um and uh <laughs> and um you know balancing the two and kind of like letting them sort of pass over one another is really exciting um so i think i've learned some of that play from her um but i think you know earlier on before we were even working together i had a sense that i needed to do that myself mm -hmm. and like let the two sides happen um and yeah, you know, I've, this is not a one sentence answer. Um, I think everybody tortures themselves, every young designer tortures themselves about the idea of style and having a style and if, if it's significant and 
what yours is. And I very much went through the exact same turmoil. Mm. Um, and mm. I think it's just my st style. Like I just think it, it, it just what, it's just what comes out of me when I make things. Um, and yeah, I, I'm sure I just, you know, pieced things together sort of unconsciously, you know, learning from all the various people that I learned from and just, you know, this is what feels good to me. It's very instinctive. Like, yeah. I feel like something's done when I feel like it's done. Yeah, I mean, that's like, and it's very evident in the work. And it's kind of interesting because there is so much expressiveness to the work, but it's also like undeniably, like, I make work that <laughs> is like, you either like it or you don't. It's not undeniably, <laughs> like, good. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I think your work is... <laughs> undeniably like nobody can look at it and say like this is not done like correctly but also there's like a lot of play and blow mm. so it's like and that is like a really tough balance because it's it's definitely not uptight in any way shape or form thank you i in my I, opinion well thank you not to like get into just like oh now i'm just critiquing your, your work <laughs> but um so yeah i mean i was just curious about the impulse to like tear it down I think that's what's fun. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I get a sense of uh, fulfillment from from fine detail and making something um, quote unquote perfect. But the fun is the sort of like accidental weird things that happen. Um, and that's also the torture. You know, that's the highest pressure part. Like that's the part I worry about. You know, I don't worry about making a good grid. I can do that, you know, on my worst mm -hmm. day as a designer. But yeah, the thing that um, is sort of inchoate and hard to define it the elusive thing is the thing i think you're talking about and i can't really it's so it's elusive to me this is, <laughs> so, this is so fascinating like some days i can't yeah. do it what this is so fascinating <laughs> because also like hearing you like the balance of the two sides like i think i'm on the other end where it's like i struggle to make things like perfect and like hierarchical and mm -hmm. and and yeah and Perhaps also teach yeah. <laughs> love to try yeah I think you might be disappointed. I'm just like, just do it. Just go by your feelings. Yeah. I don't even, yeah. I mean, grids. Man, I did want to ask. You know, yeah, shoot. Them, this is the quick question. Yes. What's one piece of advice you could give to, like, people in who are, like, coming up in design and who admire, mm. like, what you do? Like, mm. That's a good question. I would be, I, I would be. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> I would say, um, don't be afraid to quit, mm. which sounds scary. And obviously, do this with caution. Don't be reckless. Like I, I, I would never recommend making a choice that um, harms your your life or takes away your source of income or something like that. Like don't upend your life, but don't be afraid to say I'm done. I've learned everything I can learn, and I want to move on. Um, I think I think there's before you start working. It, it probably feels easy to do that. But once you've begun, it, it, you get consumed by the sort of structures of the job that you're in and like knowing the people and understanding the process and knowing the clients and it feeling doable and familiar and kind of like you're executing within like certain parameters. And there is something great about that. But I, I think the sort of like strength of what I've done or like the best choice I've made is to say, I'm done with this or no, I won't do that. Or, um, yeah, 
that really fizzled out. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it's, I think it comes back to, to the mantra, which is, uh, <laughs> have, uh, value yourself or know your worth or yeah you were saying something earlier about like conviction in your or you said when you when you turned down the times job, yeah what what was the way you phrased that i think i said it was like the strongest sort of like statement of belief in myself that i'd made to believe that point in yourself yeah believe, believe in, yourself. in yourself there we go get the poster yeah get the poster with the cat hanging off of the <laughs> bar <laughs> with the cat making with a the rough, single red tulip loud, in the field of yellows a loud noise in the, in the kitty litter box <laughs> cats are the theme of this interview um but yeah i don't know is that a good answer quit like is that stupid to tell no, people to I, do that i think it's something that like is often not said enough of like and and i think you outline the terms of quitting quite well it's not quitting because it's hard or that you've hit a wall it's knowing when you've you when you've gone the course that you need to go in a certain position yeah and knowing yeah, your like, don't be parameter. petulant yeah. about it i mean neil young he's pretty reckless but he does the same thing he's like like some you know that's his mantra mm. is like for better or worse he's like if it's not working if it's no longer serving anybody then you just don't do it anymore like, right and that that's a good way to frame it outside of yourself jumping back yeah. to that it's like but you have to have a really good relationship with yourself and you also have to have intuition which a lot of mm -hmm. people don't have and it's but you can learn it yeah i mean it's interesting that you you describe yourself as very self-conscious and anxious mm. but you also seem incredibly intuitive <laughs> which requires <laughs> trusting you. yourself and also not being overly self-conscious so there is this sort of paradox yeah there is a paradox it's hard <laughs> being me <laughs> join us next time when we talk yeah exactly <laughs> Well, uh, but this yeah, this has great. been amazing. Thank you, so, Thank you so much. Like your answers have been so insightful and honest, and it's also been just great talking with you. Because um, I haven't haven't seen you like I talked to you since we I graduated. So yeah, yeah it's been great. Well, thank you so much for your very thoughtful questions. Yeah, very inspiring. Um, definitely inspiring for me. Huge uh, admiration for like your work, and always like so uh, impressed by like everything um so it's just so great to like have you here and talk and and you know as somebody who struggles with a lot of the same things that i feel like you're talking about like it's it is empowering to say like you can like trust yourself and trust that you're able to like that you have something to offer that's outside of maybe even outside of yourself and like if the if that's not happening then you shouldn't be in that space like Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be somewhere where where you're not creating something that you're happy with with people that are happy with it, etc. Right. <laughs> There's no point, really. That's a nice summary of it. Cool. Yeah. Do you? Do you believe in yourself and do you? Well. Uh, wow. <laughs> it all comes down to that. <laughs>